Warning. The Kingdom Cast podcast contains spoilers about comic books, movies, and entertainment in general, as well as anything else that crosses their minds. Please do not take any medical advice seriously, nor legal advice that they may or may not give out. For that matter, it's probably for the best that you take nothing that they say seriously. It's Kingdom Cast's podcast. If erection lasts longer than four hours, call someone and brag. Joining us once again is Sandra. I'd prefer you not know exactly where in Georgia I am, Swindle. Thank you. (laughs) Surprised you're not handing out my address. (laughs) I'm Stan Daniel, and with me as always is Albert Marsh. Am I with you as always? So, Albert. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. Hey, guys, huge entertainment news we overlooked last week. And I mean, this is big. Jerry O'Connell will be replacing Sharon Osbourne on The View. <laughs> the dude from the Kangaroo movie? Uh, well, oh, yeah, I forgot about the Kangaroo movie. But yeah, Kangaroo, Jack, and Stand By Me, Sliders TV series. So that, yeah, Jerry that, O'Connell. That, that's Sharon Osbourne? Yeah, Sharon Osbourne got kicked off. <laughs> I thought Megan McCain got kicked off. No, no, I can't believe we're seriously discussing this. I just threw that out there. So you'd say, who cares or something? Oh, my bad. <laughs> but now that we're into it, no, Sharon Osborne sided with Pierce Morgan, who was her old friend when he started badmouthing Prince Harry's wife, Megan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then other little things came to light of uh, co-workers having problems with her. And so she got canceled. They've brought Jerry O'Connell on to replace her. And this was not meant to be a serious bit at all. This was just to give y'all something to groan at me about. <laughs> The show that she was on was called The Talk, not The View. Whatever. I wasn't going for accuracy. I was trying to make something fun. Obviously. As a matter of fact, in my notes, it says uh, Jerry O'Connell will be replacing Sharon Osbourne on The View. And then I've got dash, dash, dash. Albert will ask why we're talking about that. And then I, in turn, will say to Albert, because last week... When I tried talking about space exploration, you went into a rant urging the workers to seize the means of production, Stalin boy. But none of that's going to work now, so we're just going to move on to mail. You didn't even get the show right. <laughs> I, at least, I at least know who went to space. <laughs> Sandra, do you have anything to add? Let's Is there move any way you to can the say? Mail. <laughs> yeah, move on to the mail. Okay, here we go. Roma wanted to know why we took all that time on the X-Factor issue, but did not discuss any of the LGBTQ plus positive comics that were released that month. And because them they, other books ain't got no ain't got no mutants in them. Well, <laughs> that's not the exact reason. We read a lot. I don't want to say all because I'm sure there's some out there that we missed. But basically, and I'm going to say this straight up because this ties into the next email. There's not any of them that we were going to be able to say, oh, unabashedly pull. And it's not because of the content. It's because of the storylines and the writing and such. There's a lot of great LGBTQ comic books out there that we recommend on a regular basis. It's just that those special ones, well, for instance, I've recommended (laughs) X Factor all along. But she mentioned we mentioned X Factor. She just wants something else. 
Well, there, she's wondering why we spent all that time on that last X Factor issue. I'm going to say this, and if y'all have a different opinion, please say so. Those were money grabs that they put out. And, and the Marvel comic that they put out that was specifically aimed at LGBTQ, it focused on characters. It was not it was not particularly good. The DC comic that did the same thing with female Lobo, they were not particularly good. It wasn't it was things that I was going to end up having to say, uh, you know, browse it. I don't like it when corporations do that sort of thing. Like they suddenly, you know, they want to be your buddy. Like the Wendy's tweets where they, they're being funny and they're being cool. They're a corporation. And this is part of their indoctrination to them. I don't like it when Marvel and DC does it because I like, generally speaking, Marvel and DC. And I hate it when they do things that really, really strike me as blatant money grabs. I'm and sorry, so that was man. how in the world do you think that's a money grab when they are like appealing? I mean, it's a money grab if they are, quote unquote, appealing to a large audience. But I hate to tell you, the audience for that book is not as huge as the audience is for yet another Wolverine book or the audience for what's the other one, the Latin one that they're doing, I think, or they've done or the indigenous people. My God, that's a really small market. I can't imagine that, that, well, I didn't think that the money grab. I didn't think the I didn't feel like the indigenous people one was. I felt the way they were marketing this with the variants and everything. After I read it is when I came to the conclusion. By the time we got to the second issue on the Marvel one, this really is not striking me favorably. As opposed well, I, to the, I'm not saying it was good, but I'm saying that yeah. it's not a money grab. If anything, I think it's a PR grab. How about that? Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, I'll go with. Yeah, yeah. those yeah. books are those books aren't meant to make. Money. Money. They're just not there. But they're they're there to other they have other purposes. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with the PR grab, but ultimately it's designed to everything's about money. But yeah, I like your term better. It is a PR grab. I misspoke. I do think if I had picked up that book and read it and thought, my God, this is a great book, you'd have been hearing about it. If Albert had picked up that book or Sandra had picked up that book and said, My God, this is a great book. Let's talk about it. Instead, None of us mentioned it to one another or the DC one either. I know Sandra doesn't read as uh, much of the comics as Albert and I do, but between our base, the base of what Albert and I read and our content providers and everything else, none of those books were brought up. The one that was brought up was X Factor and X Factor had the most going for it. And also do stuff like that for the sake of doing stuff like that. We talk about what we feel that you should be aware of, that you're missing out on if you're not reading. We try to be more and more positive. I know we get in arguments about Marvel, DC, and the corporate politics behind them and and how they're treating characters. But we, by and large, want to recommend things to you that you're going to enjoy. And when we find something that we think that people are going to step into that they're not going to enjoy, we'd like to point that out, too. Those titles kind of fell into the middle there. And I agree with Sandra. PR grab. Well, that. Sandra, I mean, did I, you read any of them? No, no. Most of the time, they're not written by comic pros. They're written. Sometimes they're written by novelists. Sometimes they're written by musicians. Sometimes they're yeah. written by wrestlers. When I was a kid, they put it out and they made it a big thing. And I was so scared I wasn't going to get an issue. And again, there was no internet at this time. They were just advertising it through Marvel Age. And a couple of, I, I think CNN did a report on it. And some local news stations picked up and ran a little bit on it. The big thing when I was a kid is the people in Ethiopia are starving. So we're all going to 
hold hands across America and Michael Jackson and everybody that you've heard put out a record in the past 20 years are going to get together and sing a song. And oh, Marvel's coming out with a comic book that features the X-Men, and it's going to be written by everybody and Stephen King. I was I was scared I wouldn't be able to get it, and it costs more than a normal comic book. Will we have enough? Will we have enough? And yeah, there was more than enough. I don't think that comic's worth much now. Honestly, when you read it, it reads like 45 different people wrote 45 different pages and barely was able to contain a consistent thought across of it. That was a money grab. Yeah, proceeds from the comic, certain amount of proceeds went to the relief fund, but that put a bad taste in my mouth about these sorts of things. So I've always been, you know, aware. I didn't like the I didn't like the characters being handled like that. And I didn't like them engaging actual serious efforts in that manner as well. And I understand this person's complaint because it was Pride I Month. And I, and I don't think we mentioned a single thing for Pride Month. But we didn't but mention anything for Black History Month or, oh, you know, for women's... I'm sure uh, we mentioned women's. something for Black History Month. Not for the purposes of Black History Month. I, no, I if tried. anything, the only thing that happened in Black History Month, I'm pretty sure Sandra complained about Black Panther and Wakanda several times. Probably. <laughs> Wait, uh, Happy Black History Month, everybody. Way to be tone deaf on that one, Sandra. I, I, you know what? Wait till I get my name or month. You see, I'm not a big fan of designating months or anything well, like that. Well, you know that. what? We, we, I'll tell you what else we didn't mention there, Albert. We didn't mention the Asian Asian American month, did we? That's right. We didn't. Did we? I don't, I don't think no. so. But if you want a recommendation for a book that would have been, I'm not sure exactly. This didn't come out in Pride Month, but a book that I read, and I'm sorry, Marvel and DC, um, I guess maybe DC has some better characters that get used regularly. Marvel, mm, not so much, other than the X characters. They get I think half the, I think pretty sure half the mutants are gay now, or bisexual no. or something. Yeah. I think the yeah. implication to what's going on in Krakoa is they've transcended the human definitions of sexuality. Mm, sure they have. And in fact, okay. they point blank kind of come out and say that. Let me out and out state, and this has been a while. I love Mirka and Dolfo's Unnatural. I do. At first, I thought it was aimed at the furry market, given the nature of it. But Mirka and Dolfo is a great artist. Her Unnatural was a very solid book. We gave that great reviews begrudgingly. And I kept repeating, as I am now, there are naked pig people in it. Get over that and read that. That's a good book. When we find something we like and we know has a positive tone and message, we throw it out there. It's not that we're looking for a particular month. Going back to that, the reason we don't acknowledge those months is everybody's dead. It seems so manufactured. We've got comics coming out every week with LGBTQ plus characters in them. The new X-Men comic where it turns out they're not actually mutants. The name I forget. We've given that positive reviews. I'm still reading that. And that's something I Adam. I thought you guys hated that. No, the last one was slow. Yeah. The last one we reviewed was slow. Oh, okay. Albert doesn't care for it. I like the first two. The last one was slow, but I kept saying over and over again, they're not mutants. They're not mutants. That was the angle on it. But I like the first few issues of that. I'm not as, uh, I was not as big on like the third and fourth issue, but I'm still reading it. So that says something. I'm going to recommend The Magic Fish by Trungles. It's not a Marvel or DC book. It's one of those middle-aged, young adult books. And Trungles is a great artist. It's not black and white, but he has an Aubrey Beardsley aesthetic in that he does like that kind of black and white line work. Now, this book Mm -hmm. is in color. Did it win an Eisner? 
If it, if it didn't win an Eisner, it was up for an Eisner. But it's about a Vietnamese kid that hasn't come out to his family. They've moved to the States and he enjoys all these fairy tales and stories. So there's two kind of stories going on. There's the stories that he's telling or retelling his family. The fairy tales is they're trying to learn English. And then there's his story trying to fit in as an immigrant and as a gay kid who hasn't come out um, to his family. Excellent. Our next letter ties in before we move on our next letter does kind of tie into what Roma was asking or Roma inquired about and the bottom line is the reason we talked so much about X Factor is X Factor was what was in the news I couldn't see a problem with X Factor and it was an interesting discussion I thought all the way around Colin also wrote in and Colin has a little bit of a different tone here y'all joke a lot but in all seriousness don't any of you have a problem with the over the top political correctness politics we see in comics nowadays it's lord do any of us have a problem with Uh, y'all joke a lot but in all seriousness don't any of you have a problem with the -the over-the-top political correctness politics we see in all comic books nowadays or comics nowadays and that's from colin colin i've thought long and hard about this we generally would prefer to stay away from serious political discussion on here the fact of the matter is in the first 10 issues of action comics Superman destroyed Metropolis's slums in order for FDR's administration to come in and build solid government housing in a neighborhood. Superman nowadays is not even remotely as politically active as he was for the first hundred issues of Action Comics. I think back to the Claremont and Byrne X-Men because, yes, I keep going back to that because that's the heaviest comic book influence on me. That that was a far left comic book. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Nowadays, what I'm coming to understand, the major problem is not the morality of the comic book characters. It's whether or not the story is engaging. If it's a good story and it's dealing with the morality of these uh, characters and the characters sound like themselves and are coming from their place of creation, then yes, I'm on board. But if you're finding yourself getting more and more alienated, you need to go back and reread some of the comics from your youth and even before you were reading comics and see what the tones in most of those were. Because there's not been that much of a skew in where the comic books land so far as social issues are concerned and where they are now on social issues. The problem that I see us having is that sometimes the story comes second and the story should always, story and character development in comic books should always come first. Yeah, I guess that's my... I don't have a problem with it. I just think the majority of the time it's extremely poorly executed. Yeah. yeah. If you're looking for me to say, am I upset that Captain America was... And I kind of get the sense that this may be part of it. If you're looking for me to say that I'm upset because Captain America didn't have a problem with a gay guy calling himself Captain America and riding the trains throughout America and so on and so forth, you're sadly mistaken because Captain America doesn't see things like that. He sees people all everything else is secondary to it. He's what kind of a person are you? And people are not defined by their sexuality. Yeah, I think I, from what I'm hearing from Albert, I not think that book had, I'm sorry. I think that pro- book had more problems with execution than with message. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. did. The execution was off, and Captain America said a, fr- a few things in the start that Captain America is not going to say, and that's the problem I'm referring to. As for finding a young gay man that is inspired by Captain America, Steve Rogers is not going to have a problem with that. 
Dude, because Steve Rogers is friends with Namor the Submariner. Good Lord, he's not going to have a problem with that. I mean, good Lord. Are they friends, though? Because, I, you know, Namor's yeah, been a real friends. ass. Uh, Namor's been a real ass to him these last years. And Captain I mean, America that, has been a real ass to Namor. I yeah. mean, Steve, Steve's me, probably one of Namor's only real friends. No, so. Jim Hammond is, is probably his only real friend. But Steve Rogers and Namor share bond of being through war together. That's yeah. that's their big thing there. Well, they, don't, they don't always agree. That's right. They're brothers. They don't always agree. Mm-hmm. Friends, probably more Jim Hammond. But I'm saying that Steve Rogers is I give Steve Rogers a hard time because people trying to hold him up as like the God, the, the moral center of the of the Marvel Universe and et cetera, et cetera. And I think and I don't know, Colin, I guess I don't know. Maybe I need a bigger bat because I as <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, I'm constantly having to drag Stan and Albert over to the PC side. <laughs> well, I'm not. It's not political. You see, I don't. I know what political correctness is. Oh, I, I'm but, more woke than any of y'all could possibly imagine. I'm probably the most woke person for any person any of y'all know. <laughs> yes, I don't uh, think that I means what you think that. it means, Albert. Oh yeah, I know exactly what it means. <laughs> It's not that I'm on the politically correct or politically incorrect side. There, I like to think for myself. And when I get this overwhelming, both sides of uh, the political correct coin right now are absolute insane. I don't know what's happened. You can morally be averse to abortion, but still support Roe versus Wade and think it's a, a solid law. You can want immigration are before immigrants at the same time want some order to the way they enter the country. It's not all either or. And this is a big problem that's going on right now. And open societies in the past have come down to these either or propositions like it's looking more and more that we're in that situation now, thanks to social media and the Internet. That's how you get the Third Reich before you think, oh, that's how you get things like the Third Reich, and that could happen on either side of the politically correct coin. It's a dangerous road to tread. But also, I take heart in knowing that the majority of America is not participating in Twitter and Facebook and these back and forths. My neighbors are solid people. They all have different beliefs. They're all different races, and they're all good people. <laughs> My neighbors are all that, drug addicts. I'm taking you see, they're not the voices that are coming through on the internet and in the news and in the media because they want to live their lives and cut their grass and barbecue on the weekends and they want to be able to wave at people as they you know, drive down the street and know that they have nice neighbors. And that's it. So that's where I take my solace from that the majority of all this shouting is the internet. And that's not the majority of the actual people out there. Are you sure about that? No, I'm not. I'm just placing my hope there, okay? <laughs> Sandra, how are your neighbors? <laughs> no commento. Are they um, meth heads and pedophiles? Because mine are. I don't know of any pedophiles, I, I, but, you know, I, I don't check up on that thing, so... Um, you would have gotten a notice in the mail. <laughs> well, that's when they move in. I mean, if you move in, you don't know. Oh, that's true. Well, there's apps for that, too. Yeah. Okay, but, so enough um, serious... 
Oh, yeah, I'm, sorry. I, I'm just going to say what, what Stan said is you need to go back and take a look at there's a Heroes Initiative has put out a book of all of Stanley's soapbox. Amen. Yeah. Editorials. Hopefully, you know what the Stanley soapbox editorials are. Buy that book, support Heroes Initiative and comic book artists who have fallen on hard times because the industry does not support them and read it. Stan was well, he wasn't a hippie, but he certainly was not a conservative no, he, guy. Well, he wasn't a hippie. He wasn't ne- he wasn't conservative. He wasn't necessarily liberal either. He was level headed. And for those of you that don't know what Stan's soapbox was from the late 60s all the way through the 80s. Right. Yeah. It, well, yeah. late 60s, I think it was even earlier 60s. It could have been, you know, let's say from the 60s all the way through yeah. the 80s, Stan Lee was given three paragraphs in each comic book ever to say whatever he wanted about whatever he wanted about whatever topic. Believe it or not, it was not always self-serving advertisements. He had some wonderful insights. I got to tell you, my my morality is very similar to what's in those soapboxes because I grew up reading them. Comic books were a heavy source of influential material to kids in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Stan Lee seemed to be aware of that, uh, very much so. And he's got some very insightful things in those. So yes, definitely support Heroes Initiative uh, by buying that book. But yes, Andrew, I'm all about it. Can you anything dig it, else man? on that? Huh? <laughs> Tomorrow, Stan used to say, "Can you dig it, man?" <laughs> Can you dig it? <laughs> Excelsior and true believers. <laughs> all of that great stuff. Moving on to less serious items, Bryant. And this comes from a couple of weeks ago. Bryant wanted us to watch and review Marky Mark Wahlberg's movie Infinite on Paramount Plus. And a couple of other people also asked if we watched or had an opinion on Tomorrow War on Amazon. Sandra, I know you didn't see you didn't see either of those, did you? No, and let me tell you, Paramount oh Plus has taken my money for like at least six months. And, Why have you not contacted then, them? I did contact him, and then they never answered me. Never answered me. Try to get my password back. And finally, I got somebody to talk to talk to me. And then they said, well, your account doesn't exist. I'm saying, well, if my account doesn't exist, why are you taking my PayPal money? So, no, I'm not I am not going to be watching Paramount Plus anytime soon. So, unfortunately, I did not get to see either the Tomorrow War or what was the infinite. But you guys Infinite. did, so go ahead and well, chatter about now, that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a reason besides I, I did not mention either of these to you. I may have mentioned Tomorrow War back when it first came out. Albert, did you see either of these? Uh, no, I don't even know what that Mark Wahlberg movie is about. It, oh. It's kind of across. Bryant summed it up well. It's kind of across between Highlander and Fast and Furious. I thought it was going to be like some reimagining of 9-11 where he was on that plane and stopped it. Oh, God. Bryant seemed to like it. Bryant, I don't want to disagree with you here. I did watch the movie, but playing into what Albert just said, in all seriousness, Mark Wahlberg seems to do things that play only into his own ego now. It was a bit much for me. I think I think had they got a different actor, I would have been good with Infinite, but Mark Wahlberg was really getting on my nerves in it. And Tomorrow War, if you're a Chris Pratt fan, watch it. But that's the only uh, Chris Pratt and J.K. Simmons. I forget the other guy's name. They're the only reasons to watch that. It's Tomorrow War was not really a good movie and it. Too many open ended questions. Nobody thought anything through on the script. I didn't care for it at all. And finally, Travis wants to know if Sandra is being paid for each time she says fig pens. And if so, <laughs> where can he invest in fig pens, whatever the hell they are? <laughs> 
I wish. I wish. I wish somebody would pay me for my uh, advertising. I don't know where you can invest in them. I don't think you can invest in them. But they're basically just big cloisonnoy pins. The entire figure. That's where it comes from. Figure pin. Fig I know pins. Yeah, I know you've seen them if you've gone I'm to a game shop or someplace like that. Because they yeah, did. You probably for- seen them and never thought about them. Yeah, they're just like they're like maybe two. No, they're probably three inches long. So they're a big pen. Fig pen, fig pen, fig pen. <laughs> the Disney collector pen market brings in millions. Yes. And so this is kind of another company's attempt at it. And right now, most of what they've done are just character. The standard, the classic looking Scooby-Doo that you see when they just say Scooby-Doo and slap him on a box. So, okay, well, they turned that into a fig pen. They took Submariner from the cover of uh, the Submariner number one and they turned it into a fig pen. So that's basically it. Whereas the Disney pins have gone completely batshit insane. Well, I mean, and are um, all over the place. Yeah. San Diego Con, which was this weekend, but nobody would know it since um, I think it Tell was. Tell me about weekend. it. Yeah. And nobody well, and I, announced I didn't anything, see anything big. Covered on it. The Eisners, the Eisners were covered on it. But other than that, yeah, not much. You know, Scotty Young used to do the San Diego Con exclusive Cloisonoy. I know I'm mangling that. Cloisonoy pins. So they're they're like that, but bigger and entirely the figure. And it's usually, like you said, from, well, for the comics, it's usually from like a comic cover. But they've done them for Star Wars, for... Uh, yeah, they made Star Wars action figures. Hero they Academia. They took the action figures and turned them into Star Wars fig pins. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, it's just whatever classic pose of a character and... They rip it, you know, they rip Kirby's artwork, everybody's art, different artist artwork, and they make the fig pins of it and they put it up. They're nice. I'm not knocking them. They're nice if you're into that sort of thing, but Disney pins kind of burned me out. You, There's so many uh, of them. Oh my God. You, you can't possibly fathom. I don't even think Disney knows everything they put out on that. These are Disney Park exclusive pins, not fig pins, but the Disney pins are. Disney Park exclusive pin. Let's talk about the San Diego Comic-Con. If San Diego Comic-Con happens online and nobody watches it, did San Diego Comic-Con actually happen? Probably not. Well, I mean, Uh I watched a couple of, I think, of those videos. And like I said, they covered the Eisners. Basically, I think Marvel and DC said they weren't going to be making any big announcements or anything there and not many people did i don't think i think there was an ex ex office meeting but i hickman wasn't there so if hickman wasn't there then is it really i don't think it counts yeah yeah (laughs) well we can't really resolve anything because we need hickman's approval on all this what does this tell you about the future of the cons we've got God, I even what are you talk talking about, about? I mean, New York City, uh, New York City Comic Con sold out in twelve hours. All of the pass, not the four day passes, all of the passes. Now that's going to be in person. So I think con people are dying to get back to cons. I don't know. They're losing a lot of. It seems like San Diego Comic Con was lo- is losing a lot of momentum with this because I was like, oh yeah, the con's going on. Let me look up what's going on at San Diego Con, and I was so completely disinterested that I didn't even realize I started browsing related links after not finding anything going on there. I think most of Marvel stuff, most of Marvel's announcements from here on in, you're going to find coming from D23. Well, uh, the, at least they're the um, Disney. At least they're, they're movies and stuff. The MCU. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think you're going to see comic book announcements coming from there, too, before too much longer. The next D23 takes place next year in Orlando. I don't know. I think I, in order for that to have, if they're going to waste time with comics, the comics actually have to matter. The, yeah, I think New York Comic Con is going to have some announcements. Yeah. Do you think this is going to constitute a shift from SDCC to NYCC? No, I think as soon as SDCC decides to have a real in-person con, it will be once again sold out in minutes, just like New York Comic Con was sold out. In 12 hours. And they tried to, they're not having a full house at New York Comic Con because with the pandemic, they don't want to have people crowded in there like the cattle cars. So that's part of the reason why they sold out is they don't have as many. And they limited the amount of four-day passes. When's New York Comic Con? It's usually in October, I think. No, it's not yeah. going to happen this year. What isn't going to happen? They're going to they're cancel that. Oh, I doubt that. Yeah, it's canceled. Why do you think that? Albert does not know officially if it's canceled. He's speculating. They're going to cancel it. It's supposed uh, to be I, October 7th, Thursday, October 7th through Sunday, October 10th. They ain't making it. I think yeah, they'll there's make already, it. There's already meetings going on at, well, there's already meetings about the theme parks, whether or not they're going to have to close again. Well, I'm York, not talking political meetings. I'm, I'm talking within the hierarchy of the Disney Corporation. Well, I, I'll tell you what's going to happen in New York, in my opinion. That con will go on, but they will be using the vaccine passport system. They will be using some form of vaccine passports or testing. And so you might be able to get a ticket. Because people that are coming from out of state who may or may not want to, I can't imagine going to a con and not being vaccinated, but. You don't live in Alabama. Well, I was about to say, I can't imagine mm-hmm. being vaccinated, period. That's me. And I have a, a an 87-year-old mom. New York is like the most vaccinated. I mean, they're probably close to herd immunity. They're just going to start enforcing a vaccine passport thing. As long as they can keep people from out of the state coming in. I was about to say, okay. most, of, most of that con will be out of, out of state. Probably. That's why I said you will, you'll probably find people at the last minute trying to cough up, sell their tickets. I think that con's going to go on. This goes back to the theater thing. I'm not at all anxious to walk back into a theater. I'm not at all anxious to go to, a, well, to be honest, I was never anxious to go to a convention. I don't even like going to Walmart still. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, we've we've side. started masking. Yeah, we've started masking back up. Denise and I are back to the same levels we were with the antibacterial stuff and wearing the masks in public. I just don't feel this is over. Like Sandra said, we the three of us have concerns with aging parents. Yeah, it's not well, as much. Even if I didn't have a concern with an aging parent, I would have been vaccinated. But because I have an aging parent that I'm a caretaker for. Yeah, I am definitely. When they said that you didn't have to wear your mask, I said, oh, I'm wearing my mask because I live in a southern state where, again, there's all these people running around without a mask that did not get vaccinated. So yeah, Georgia I, has a real problem. Yeah. Alabama's on fire. You talk we're about all, Alabama. We're all going to die. Yeah. I, I, I seriously, when your governor, when your governor gets on and starts bad mouthing the unvaccinated, you know. Yeah, but she's responsible for it. Well, she is, but you know, what what can I say? But it, we'll have to cut all this out. I mean, there's no need for this. Yeah, no, I'm depressed. So I think con, I think cons are coming back. I mean, they, they, that con thing is just crazy. People want want those cons. 
Well, they, yeah, they want that. They want the social, uh, they want any sort of social interaction. But again, I can't get myself psyched up to go to the movie theater, especially not with them offering it for $30 for Black Widow or Warner Brothers running their stuff for free. Hey, speaking of that, now we have all seen the Black Widow. Have we? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Did you go to the, the movie theater, Albert? No, no, I watched it at home. I don't, I don't have time to go to the movie theater. I'm a very busy person. Okay. My reviews are already out there. I've already yeah, I've already talked about it repeatedly. I loved it. I hate that she didn't get more than one movie. This movie I thought was outstanding and very entertaining and engaging and added something to the character and helped further the Marvel story. Sandra, you felt pretty much the same? I did. I love this movie. And the my one, well, I think I had another regret, but I'll have to remember what it is now. But my, my first, my main regret as I was walking out was that Black Widow had gotten cheated out of her trilogy. She should have had a trilogy just like Thor, just like Captain America, just like Iron Man. And it should have been back there five years ago instead of after the character is dead. I enjoyed it. Somebody described it as Jason Bourne in the Marvel Universe. And I could see that. It was a good action spy movie. I I loved it. Well, you heard what the director said about the last minute change. They changed the end credit scene at the last minute. They initially, well, right before they shot it, they made a decision. But initially, Kate Shortland, the director, had set it up where when Nat's sister, Yelena, whistled at the tombstone, Mm -hmm. she would walk off and then you would faintly hear the whistle come back, Mm -hmm. which means that they were, the fact that she said that in an interview, in an official interview that was sanctioned by Marvel, means we may not be done with Scarlett Johansson, no matter what Scarlett Johansson's saying. My only complaint about this movie in, it has nothing to do with Black Widow. It has to do with Marvel casting. What is that woman's name? Julia Louise Dreyfus is who Thank you've you. got a problem. As Contessa Valentina. Wow. If you ever read anything with Contessa Valentina, she is nothing at all like that character. Nothing. It's just it's, a movie. I do not like her. If they had given that character, her character, another name, I'd have been fine with it. It's not that I even have anything wrong with Julia Louise Dreyfus. It's just that Contessa Val is an elegant MP super spy type character. She's a match for the original Nick Fury. But she's completely and totally untrustworthy. No. And that's what they're, that's the main attribute they're giving Julia Louis Dreyfus is we all know that Val is up to something. I'm sorry. That's just, that's just not the character. I have put up with a lot of, I've just accepted what that it's different for the MCU and that they're doing different takes on these characters, like Taskmaster. I was not bothered by Taskmaster, but I suspect that's because I have never found Taskmaster to be a particularly engaging character. And I think his powers are a cheat. So I've never particularly liked that character. Not until uh, the recent comic book push. Well, I the, mean, re- he's- the Jen McKay Taskmaster was amusing. but And I still when he showed up like- in Deadpool. Well, I don't read Deadpool. I don't, it wasn't the character so much. Anyway, I'm just saying, I put up with a lot from Marvel and without complaint, but not Contessa Val, no. They just got her because they want Jerry Seinfeld to to be in one of these movies. As what? I don't know. As Nick Fury Jr. (laughs) They got her because she went out and she said, I'd like to be in these movies. I'd, you know, do you have a part for me? And they said, yeah, we got a part for you. And they worked her into these movies. If Sandra feels that way about the Contessa, 
then, oh my God, how is Sandra going to feel when she finds out that the main pitch for Submariner is that he was working at SeaWorld and got bit by a radioactive porpoise? What? And that's how he became Submariner. Oh. <laughs> that's my pitch for the movie version of Submariner. They want, they want Jerry Seinfeld for Norman Osborne. No, they've got What's-His-Faces coming back, Defoe. I'm something of a scientist myself. Yes, I'm something. I think yeah, well, I'm something of a scientist myself. Charlie Cox come back. Who? Charlie, oh, Charlie Cox. Oh. Wilson Fit. The only one that I'd put a ton of money on right now is D'Onofrio is coming back as Kingpin. Oh. Daredevil is going to be a soft reboot into the Marvel continuity, this which Charlie means Cox they're not thing. changing much. This Charlie Cox rumor or whatever it was is part of the whole everybody is coming into the the new Spider-Man movie so they can do a multiverse mm-hmm. thing. That's where that's coming from. And it's probably more wishful thinking than anything else. But anyway. Well, I'd love it if they made a Spider-Man movie that was just a Spider-Man movie. Just a Spider-Man movie, yeah. Albert, what did you think of the Black Widow movie? Well, the cover for the Nirvana song was horrible. Uh, it was almost it almost made the movie unwatchable for the rest of it. <laughs> I was not a fan of the Taskmaster costume, but I thought it was a really good movie. I did too. And I didn't have a problem with the with female Taskmaster thing because I think within the context of the movie, it worked very well with the story. I agree wholeheartedly. And that was one of the things that threw me for a spin because I just assumed Taskmaster is the Taskmaster from the comic book. And so they got away with a very obvious plot point in front of me. They can still do that. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. they can still just have the comic book version of Taskmaster. But but the, the, the way they did it in this movie, I, I knew about the twist beforehand, but I wasn't paying attention too much of the character. But there are multiple scenes where it's very obviously that's a, at least someone with feminine features in that costume. Then there's odd shots from a distance where it was like either a stunt person or a stand-in where they had more squared shoulders. I don't know if it was a woman or not, or a guy or not, but you could tell that they had bigger features on them. Most of these Marvel movies, they don't do anything unique or interesting or try to surprise you, but this stuff with the Taskmaster and the daughter worked real well, and I was, thought it was a great addition. Yeah, I thought, and uh, I didn't think I would like her sister, Yelena. Loved uh, her. Yeah, she she was great. All the family members, the four of them, they all worked good, uh, mm-hmm. liked the characters. I thought they all worked well together on screen. Wonderful job, especially Elena. I'm with you, Sandra. I I thought I'm not necessarily going to care for her character because I'm looking at her as kind of a replacement. eh, But I really, really like I like her far better than the comic book version. Well, she did. Well, they they did a good because at the end of the day that. It's a Black Widow movie. It's still a Black Widow movie. She's still the main character. So it's not like they just brought the sister in there and was, no, it's really about her. They just made her just slightly underneath Black Widow as far as the characters go. Uh-huh. That scene, the setup scene, and then the payoff to the setup scene. The setup scene is where they're in the store and they're walking around grabbing things. Yelena is talking to Natasha and says, what is it with that lending you do? You know, the, and she kind of spazzes yes, out on the floor yeah. there with her ponytail going back and forth. Natasha's just looking at her. Then later in a serious situation, she does that exact same landing, sits there a second, looks around, stands up and says, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> And oh God, I loved Crimson Dynamo. (laughs) (laughs) You were too busy running around playing Crimson Dynamo. It's Red Guardian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
So it, it was great. I know it had a, a little bit of humor, but it was it was like a porn movie. I mean, all the, the action, the helicopter stuff, breaking out the uh, the crimson dynamo, and uh, it, it was great. I really enjoyed it. It's also a great entry film into the Marvel universe. Yeah, it's you, not you know? it's not a hard film to follow. I mean, no. but I guess you could say the stuff with with uh, Elaine and everything is. After that, but as far the main movie itself, it's it's pretty easy to go along with. Yeah, I mean, if you went in blind, if you hadn't seen any other Marvel movie, and you're who's watching do, it, who's doing that? I mean, honestly. Well, I, I'm just saying, if you did. If you were going to pick one Marvel movie as a standalone, this would be a good one to pick because right off the bat, you set her up. She's on the run from a government. It doesn't matter. You don't have to know who Thunderbolt Ross is. It just matters what he's saying to her. Then from there, we go right into her story. All the information is supplied in the movie. And if you know more than that, well, that's just icing on the cake. But this is a good standalone Marvel movie, I thought. Yeah, I think so. I just really regret that for whatever Ike Perlmuter or whatever, stood in the way yeah, of, Pearl Muter, of Pearl get, yeah getting a um a trilogy because that movie showed that she could easily have carried a trilogy he caused a lot of problems he's the he was the problem for the mutants with uh, the inhumans he was the problem with the action Fantas- figures the fantastic yeah. four no arguing that he has business acumen he just does not have foresight and that's something feige has well he doesn't have he, he might have some he knows how to make a buck but uh, that's business acumen. <laughs> but he didn't. He didn't have the vision that Feige did. Marvel needed Black Panther and Captain Marvel and those movies to come in. They would have yeah, come in yeah, sooner, yeah. and we would have gotten a Black Panther, uh, and we would have got a Black Widow movie plus those movies much sooner if it hadn't been for Ike Perlmuter. Oh God, yeah. I, this is actually the first time I went to a movie theater, and I went for this movie because I've been waiting so long for it. I'm probably going to go see that Nicolas Cage pig movie. I'm sorry. What, Cage what is that? Pig movie. Yeah, it was where someone kidnaps his truffle pig and he goes to get him. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, it's a, apparently a very good movie. Well, okay. Uh, the next one we're looking forward to, is, it comes out this week, and it's Jungle Book. Not Jungle Book, Jungle Cruise. Shit. Oh, what? what? That comes out? I'm not I'm not bothered with that. It's, well, it, it looks like a very Disney-fied well, Indiana Jones. based on a Disney ride. I, mean, which I know that, but so was Pirates of the Caribbean. I started to say, yeah, one of the greatest franchises of all time was based on a Disney ride. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That looks like a lot of fun. The Tiki Bears? They did the Country Bear. They wasted their shot with the Country Bears. That is not the movie to have made, to have been made concerning the Country Bears. And then they threw Christopher Walken into it. It was just really a bad shot. But they could have done far better with a Country Bear Jamboree movie. (laughs) They could have. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they're bears. (laughs) (laughs) But they're, yeah, they're they're musical bears. (laughs) Look, I, I thought it was well worth the 30 bucks. I think it's a wonderful addition to the Marvel Pantheon. I hope is I just hope Shang-Chi and Eternals are as entertaining as this was because this was nonstop from the get-go. Anything to add, either of you? They sure did focus on her ass a whole lot. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the other 22 oh, Marvel movies that Scarlett Johansson has been in. They really, they, they laid it on thick. I kept expecting that camera to go straight up. Her- Mike, oh, oh, my point. God. No, this wasn't Jeez. that. 
this was not nearly the sexist cameraman or uh, camera angle that we saw throughout the original Suicide Squad. That was just God. I was I was just completely uh, blown away that they were. Did this movie not go through editing? Now, having said that, I anxiously await. The second Suicide Squad, which comes out first week of August, right? Yeah, I think a couple weeks here. Yeah, so I'm anxiously awaiting that. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Damn, I'm on board for it. I'm not a big James Gunn supporter, but I do like his work that he's done. I'm excited about it. It has amazed me through three movies that they chose the perfect person to play Harley Quinn and have yet allowed her to play Harley Quinn. What about Birds of Prey? The, the, Harley, no, Quinn, that's what I'm the saying. Harley Quinn you won't stand doesn't exist anymore and hasn't existed in years. I don't know. I think Kaylee Kawako does a good job on the animated series, at Pal- least better than the movie. One. Amanda Palmer and Palmy, wait, whatever their names are, Palmiotti, they get away with that old character. Connor and Jimmy <laughs> Palmer. Yeah, yeah, Amanda, Amanda Connor. Connor. Yeah. Jimmy Jimmy Palmiotti. And Jimmy Amanda Palmer. Amanda Palmer is, that name sounds awfully familiar. She's not head of Suicide Squad. That's Amanda Waller. I don't know who in the hell Amanda Palmer is. Moving right along, I'd really like to see Margot Robbie have a good shot under a uh, a director that will give her plenty of leeway at this character. Oh, Amanda Palmer's a singer. She's the one that's uh, hooked up with Neil Gaiman. (laughs) Okay. Part of the group to dress in dolls. That's who that is. Uh, uh, I know Sandra hasn't. Albert, did you see Space Jam too? I ran it as oh. background noise. That was horrible. Bugs Bunny doesn't sound like himself. Nothing funny in it. They made a big deal over removing Pepe Le Pew, but by God, every time they got a chance, they showed the actual rape gang from Clockwork Orange in the uh, background. Seriously? Yeah, there was a bunch of weird. They they did a bunch of oddball cameos in this thing. It's sort of odd. I am so anxious for the Discovery Channel takeover or the Discovery Network takeover of Warner Brother to go through. The quicker, the better. All it looked like they were doing in Space Jam is, look at all the intellectual properties that we have, and yet we don't know how to use any of them. That was it. The Batman that they had, the Adam West Batman that was in the background, they were a bunch of cosplayers on uh, rotating clips because he was doing the same dance over and over again, and they'd use the computer to move him around from place to place. It was overly, the background was overly distracting on the basketball game. But the thing that cued it off is the moment you hear Bugs Bunny, he does not sound like Bugs Bunny. It's like they've completely forgotten that Bugs Bunny is from New Jersey and primarily based on Groucho Marx. I didn't have a problem with Bugs Bunny. Well, did you have any problem with anything? Actually, I had a problem with everything in the movie that wasn't a Looney Tunes character. (laughs) I was okay with most of the rest. I liked the coyote stuff. And the Roadrunner stuff particularly. Yeah, I mean, the Looney Tunes stuff I thought was fine. I enjoyed that. I mean, the rest of the movie is such a flaming pile of garbage. It doesn't really, I mean, it's not a good movie. It's terrible. No, it's not. LeBron is not, does not come across as a likable individual. I like the first one. I know the first one is a bad movie. No, I know. I mean, the first one's crap, but it's sort of. It's the right kind of crap. Yeah, depending on your, if you was around back then in the right age, it was, it's your crap, you know, and you own it. Yeah. Yeah, and Michael Jordan seemed to be a better fit for the interaction with the Looney Tune characters and so on and so forth. So far, special effects stuff and all went on it. Great. But somebody is not at the helm when Pepe Le Pew has to be eliminated. But we have a real rape gang. And I'm talking like they don't focus on them once. Every time they shoot a certain angle, they want you to know that these are the guys from Clockwork Orange. And that really bothers me. Sandra, you need to watch this movie. <laughs> no. 
I have. You really don't. There's there's nothing to be gained. No, there's really not. Absolutely not. There's really not. But I am looking forward to Suicide Squad coming up. I tell you, I did. I did watch a movie called Voyagers, which was kind of like Lord of the Flies in space. Sounds Uh terrible. Now that sounds good. (laughs) And it featured. I did not know this. Johnny Depp's daughter was in it. Apparently, she's an actress. Did you know that? Well, ever all of their kids are actors. Mila jo, uh, Jovova, uh, jo, oh shit. Mila Jovovich's daughter played young Natasha. When I saw her, and I was like, "That's got to be her daughter or something." That looks just like her. Really? Well, I didn't know it when I saw yeah. her, but once once I found it out, you can't not see it. Yeah, like I wasn't really paying attention to, to like any cast or anything in the movie, but whenever I saw them as kids and saw her, I was like, "There's no way that's not her kid yeah. or something." This looks just yeah. like her. Like I said, once you know, you know, and there's no not seeing it. I mean, the lips, the the nose structure, the eyes, everything. If they're going to make a remake of Fifth Element, there you go. All of their kids are, they all give it a try. Like Paris Jackson, Michael Jackson's daughter, appeared in the new American Horror Story, which I'm going to give a shout out to. I have bitched and griped about that show, thinking the first season was the best, the second season was okay, and then it went to complete crap, and then they had a pretty good season with Cuba Gooding Jr. in it, but then the two seasons after that was complete crap. They finally found a formula that worked for it. They've become more like the Twilight Zone. They're an anthology series. The first two episodes are self-contained. The third episode is contained into itself. They're not interweaving everything this season. They're just telling short stories. So far, the first three episodes, I thought were pretty damn good. A, a great improvement over what we've gotten from American Horror Story, which circles back to Paris Jackson appeared in the first two episodes of the new American Horror Story. Sandra, do you watch that? I've watched it until Roanoke. I didn't see Asylum for some reason. I didn't get to see that. I didn't, I didn't watch that, but I watched the first season and then Coven and or I missed Asylum and then I watched Coven. And then I watched all of them until Roanoke, and I thought, I'm not watching this. This is just not <laughs> my cup of tea. Coven was largely where I fell off it, because clearly all Coven was was a producer wanted Stevie Nicks to be on set to give a personal concert. Coven was early. That was like second or third season. Third, third season. The second season was The Asylum. Okay, so you haven't and watched I the since Coven? No, I've watched... <laughs> Unfortunately, I've watched all of them except for the last two seasons. Okay. I wouldn't be watching this one, but Denise watched the first two episodes and was like, oh, you got to see it. And yeah, I like what they're doing. So long as they keep it short and sweet and wrap it up inside of two hours, don't give them time to run off the reservation here with some half harebrained idea about the apocalypse, then I'm good with it. Consistency of thought is what I like in a program. (laughs) Yeah, I'd settle for thought in some of them, but yeah, it was just too graphic for me. Roanoke was just like, oh, this is just too graphic. I think Roanoke, yeah, There's that was just too graphic. Well, a lot of it was graphic, but that was the, the the point where I said, you know what, I'm just not spending the time on it. I'm okay with dealing with some gore, so long as the horror story is genuine horrific to me. The Freddy... Kruger stuff, the Jason Voorhees stuff, none of that ever appealed to me because all this is is somebody going around killing people. Freddie had the dream angle. That's, I don't care. 
I far more enjoyed some of the Final Destination movies than I did with Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger because at least they got a little more creative, at least two of them out of the 16 or 20 they released. I genuinely want something that disturbs or you know creeps me out. I like Event Horizon. I don't think Event Horizon gets enough credit. Uh, what was the other one? The Exorcist. I never understood why everybody was so scared of The Exorcist. I don't know. That's the, what, the, because there wasn't anything like it. Man, I, I was actually, I have active memories of the first time I saw it. It was just gross out to me. And, uh, uh, you know, she said a lot two, of It's garbage. Oh, Exorcist 2 and anything that followed it is garbage. Exorcist is uh-uh. a far better movie than uh-uh. it seems. Exorcist, Exorcist 3 is amazing. What was the gist of Exorcist 3? Wasn't that Richard Barton's last movie? God, what a horrible thing to go out on. Exorcist 3 was George C. Scott. And Brad yep. Dorf. Okay, I think and that one like it, it was called Exorcist Three, but that thing could have been slightly tweaked, and it, it would have just been a movie. Like it was pretty self-contained for the most part. Remember the Omen? Now I actually thought for the most part. Two and three, they weren't number one. They weren't the first Omen, but two and three were solid. But I still didn't find that scary. That was just yet another view of the end of the world, the Antichrist, through the prism of Catholicism. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that every time the movie directors go there, they go through the view of Catholicism. They're missing out on a giant special effects extravaganza if they just talk to some Baptists sometime. Which one was that? Was Omen Gregory Peck? Yes. Uh, the Omen, okay. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw that at Alabama Theater. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I saw it at drive through when I was a kid. Jaws was legitimately intense. And the 40th anniversary of Jaws, by the way. It, but it was still just a shark, and a shark can be killed. I like something that really kind of gets to you there. And Poltergeist. Poltergeist is still a solid horror movie. Not really. I mean, it's well, really it's, it's well executed. I like Poltergeist far better than I like any of the Freddy Krueger stuff. Well, oh, I that's go not that saying far. much, yeah. I wouldn't oh. go that far. Really? Would you not? No, the first, well, the really the, the first and third one, but the first three Nightmare movies are really great movies. The first one had the cool idea and the novelty. I'll, I'll go so far as to say that and the scary aspect of this demon in your dreams and you're not responsible for him, but your parents are. There's a lot there, but then they just didn't go any deeper. They were cash grabs after that. Now, the second one's about closet homosexuality. Oh, was that the one where Johnny Depp exploded no, in his room? that's the first one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then the third one was like a follow-up to the first one. So in conclusion, we all three really liked The Black Widow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> well, we we um, had to do a little bit of movie roundup. So. We're going to talk about He-Man? Oh, He-Man, Yeah. Oh, did you watch He Man, Sandra? Oh, no. You try my patience, switch. I watched it all in one go. Is it on Netflix? Wait a minute. I did did too. Albert, do you think. I kind of feel like Sandra needs to watch He Man. Is it a cartoon? It's only five minutes. It's Netflix, yeah. Is it a cartoon? It is a cartoon, yes. Why do I need to watch it? We'll go ahead and talk about it. Um, Okay. I mean, the only reason I saw. The only reason I went to see the 80s He-Man movie was because Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella were in it. Frank Langella, damn, he he just killed in that movie. I could watch that movie over and over again, just the Frank Langella parts. I am not a He-Man fan. Let me qualify I'm not this. either. <laughs> yeah, I am not at all a He-Man fan. I am much more interested, and I've said this before on the podcast, in the way He-Man came into being and the creation of He-Man 
went through Mattel and the toy makers and everything than I am the actual storyline or He-Man himself. But Frank Langella killed it as Skeletor. He has said in that documentary that that's his favorite part. That's something else right there. I don't know why I like that so much, that that one of his favorite parts has been playing Skeletor. (laughs) They probably Um, let him just sort of ham it up and do what he wanted to, so... Yeah, they just got out of the way. (laughs) Go for it, Frank. (laughs) Let me bring Sandra and some of the audience up to speed. I can't imagine much of the audience not knowing about this. Kevin Smith was tapped by Mattel and Netflix to reboot He-Man. Now, in the past, it's not been, it's been about 10 years. They tried a a reboot, a more hardcore reboot of He-Man that looked pretty, but just didn't, I thought it hit all the notes. A lot of people thought it hit all the notes, but it just didn't go anywhere. Which one? The The one where we get Skeletor's origin and he's the king's brother. I think the problem with that wasn't the show necessarily. It was the they pushed the toy line real hard with it, and I don't think the toy line yeah. did much. So yeah, because the toy line didn't do what they wanted to, they went to show. I, I could be wrong, but that always seemed like what, what that was to I, me. That seems about right. So Netflix and Mattel have tapped Kevin Smith, Chasing Amy, Jay and Silent Bob, to retool and, and go back and relaunch the He-Man cartoon. And this time it's called Masters of the Universe. doesn't say He-Man and the Masters. It's called Masters of the Universe. The controversy around it, it started months ago when some of the storyboards or something leaked. Kevin tried to cover the controversy by saying, no, 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 just wait till you see it. This is not what you think it is and blah, blah, blah. Apparently, now that it's out, it was exactly what most of the fans yeah, were thinking it I is. I don't know why he even opened his mouth. He should have just not discussed it. He, he goes, oh, this because the leaks were exactly what happened in the show for the most part. It, but the deal is, he shouldn't have opened his mouth even now. I'm talking from the perspective of somebody that was, and this is important here, I was entertained. I was I entertained. If if I was not entertained by it, I couldn't have sat through all five episodes because I'm here to tell you, I just do not give a damn about the Masters of the Universe that much as a story prospect, but I was entertained. Having said that, I can completely understand where He-Man fans, fans of He-Man himself, did not like this at all. Me personally, I took into account a couple of things. I took it, and there's going to be spoilers while we're talking about this, so if you haven't seen it, tune out and then come back later. I took into account a couple of things. First off, this is just the first five episodes. There are five more episodes coming. This is the first half of the story. Secondly, He-Man was not killed twice. At the end of it, he is still clearly alive. Prince Adam is still clearly alive. And that kind of caught me off guard. I thought that was a pretty good twist. The first episode immediately moves to get Skeletor and He-Man out of the way. Then the focus is without Skeletor and He-Man there, and without He-Man's sword primarily, the reaction that He-Man calls to stop Skeletor and to apparently kill them both caused the magic in Eternia, the world where they live, to start dying. It's turning into kind of a post-apocalyptic or a situation for the uh, citizens of Eternia. Tila, the main female interest, the main female character in Masters of the Universe, who has been 
close to Prince Adam all this time and fought alongside He-Man all these years, gets ticked off because right there when he dies, she learns that Prince Adam is He-Man and feels that her father, Man-at-Arms, and the Queen and Cringer and Orko was keeping that as a secret from her and she feels betrayed. So she walks off from her station and it picks up years later where the magic has started to die and her and Evelyn cross paths. The story picks up from there. Albert, you said you weren't entertained by it. No, no, I thought it was garbage. Okay, why? Okay, Remember earlier when Albert said he is the wokest person we know? They do. Uh, they, they use a lot of characters, which is good. The art style's good, even though the animation itself is almost non-existent and really bad when they move around. It just turns to shit right at the front of it. I mean, they kill He-Man off. The Tila's characterization is terrible. How is Tila's characterization terrible? I How mean, is other it not? than. I don't think she should have had quite the reaction to the shock that Adam was He-Man. It's like somebody in government having a shocked reaction. I mean, the first thing she does... They were keeping military secrets from him. The first thing she does when she meets Adam after they go to heaven or whatever that place is... The uh, afterlife. Yeah, it's like she complains that Prince Adam died because Prince Adam's death wasn't all about her. That's that's straight up what she does. What'd she say? She's got that lame... lame Side shave haircut. They stuck her in pants. They stuck her in pants for no good reason. Give me something. Give me. Give me some fatal flaw in the storyline. The, yeah, they kill him, and then they do a crap job with it. They didn't kill him. They returned He Man, and under the circumstances, my bad. In order they to kill re- Prince Adam, then they kill Orko. Well, Orko's not dead. You know damn well Orko's not dead. You see, you keep uh, saying that, but everything I saw on that show tells me them characters are dead. Well, this is clearly a part one. There's a part two coming up. Yeah, they need to go ahead and put it out and get done with it and blacklist Kevin Smith. Like, who is this show for? It's not a children's show, and it's not for people that like He-Man, the character, or the old stuff. Who is this show for? The show is for nobody. It's for Kevin Smith and some hack writers to get in there and be like, we're going to do this our way. And it's garbage. It's just absolute garbage. Okay, Alonzo had chimed in. Alonzo's a big uh, He-Man fan. He wrote in and said, Hell, I always liked Tila and Evil Lynn, and even the Sorceress, strong female characters watered down by parental TV board at the time. Even the king in Revelations was out of character. I had the figures before I ever watched the cartoons. Evil Lynn and Tila are very out of character. I really wouldn't have minded Tila taking the lead in Revelations. I just wanted a better story and a better plot. The problem with Tila, she sits around and acts like everything's supposed to be about her the whole time. and Everyone sits back and takes it. You see, this is why I thought Sandra should watch it. I thought you should watch it to get the female perspective on it, to get your perspective on it, because you're familiar with sci-fi fantasy genres, and you're familiar with He-Man. I mean, you know the basic setup. Mm-hmm. Basic. Very basic. Yeah, I, I know the character. I know there's a skunk character. I know there's a merman. But I like some of the, the, the things that entertain me about it, and I'll take another look at it, but I came away entertained. I wasn't worried that Prince Adam is no longer He-Man or Orko appears to be dead because all that's going to re- be resolved in the second half. The things that I took away from it is clearly Tila is the daughter of Man-at-Arms and the Sorceress. Did you catch that? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big secret they're keeping from her, is that she's the sorceress's daughter. And that that's blatantly obvious. 
They don't say it in part one of Masters of the Universe Revelations, but she is clearly the sorceress's daughter, and I assume Man-at-Arms is the father. Man-at-Arms has always been her father, so why should we change that? The second thing is, in the flashbacks where she's telling the new character, the one that's familiar with technology, and I like the new character. I thought she fit. She was telling the new character stories about her and He-Man fighting alongside and was talking about an incident with Merman, and at the end of the situation, once they had Merman captured, He-Man said something that sounds exactly like something He-Man said would say on the old cartoons. In spite of your best laid plans, Merman, it turns out you're all wet. And the character she's telling this to said, He-Man actually said that? And she said, yes. And now it makes perfect sense knowing that he was a teenager all along. (laughs) He had that sense of humor. Mm -hmm. I thought those little touches and notches were nice. I was vaguely interested in the cyber cult. What is the guy with the multiple eyes called? Triclops. Triclops, yeah. The uh, cyber cult Triclops was forming. I liked how everything broke down and that Beast Man has a crush on Evelyn and is there to protect her. I like the Orco stuff. I was not at all worried that they've killed He-Man or anything like that. I have to go back and take a closer look at the Tila character, though. Yeah, she's the worst character in the show. I just didn't catch it. I was following her. It all made sense. My problem is with Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith just needs to keep his mouth shut. If he said him running out and reacting to all these YouTube videos. Because he's a man child. Look at the way he dresses. I'm going to ignore the comment about the way people dress, Albert. I'm not. Look at the way the man, the man's a millionaire. And look how he dresses in public. As a grown-ass adult. I, I tend to agree with Albert that Kevin Smith is probably a man-child. He is. Yeah. He, he gets on his little podcast show and cries about every little thing. Well, yeah, the crying and stuff can go. You don't. I don't. I, I don't like that at all. I'm. I'm not going to comment on the way he dresses. <laughs> the only reaction Kevin Smith should have had to all this commentary going on is, guys, I don't know what to tell you. This was part one. There's a part two coming. Doesn't matter if it's so, part two. If it's just, so maybe, if it's just Tila, Tila becomes he man. Who gives a crap? I don't think it's going that far. She'll replace the sorceress. The sorceress will die at the end of it, and on the deathbed will tell Tila that you're my daughter. And so she'll take over the duties of Castle Grayskull in place of the sorceress, and that puts her and He-Man on more even footing. But these knee-jerk reactions of his to this and that and trying to run out there, and he needs to stop that. I wasn't even aware. Did you get the sense at all? And and just tell me straight up, man. Did you get the sense at all that Tila and her new friend were having a lesbian relationship? Look at Tila's character design. That doesn't say anything to me. It does it, to it's me. Just, Post-apocalyptic character design. It, you know, it, no, it's it, not. Hold on, let me call her up. I did not get that at all. That's that little I, shade there. Side nothing... she's got going. No, that ain't no post-apocalyptic stuff. Sandra, call up Tila Revelation and take a look. Is that the redhead? Yeah. 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 What? <laughs> I think that haircut probably is. Is that what you're talking about? I'm not talking about the haircut. They were saying there was a bunch of YouTubers out there whining, crying that Tila was a lesbian now. And I didn't at all get that sensation. That was just kind of a Batman and Robin friendship relationship that her. No, 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 really? No. No. Tila's the redhead with the shaved head on the side. And the pants. Yeah. In the pants, what what difference does the pants make? She didn't have pants in the in the cartoon. Oh my god! 
Well, if you look, if you're looking under Google, Google, if you're looking under Google image search, you see the first thing and enter Tila Revelation. The first thing that comes up is a scene of Tila in her classic outfit with Evelyn in her classic outfit. She's got the little tiara on and the white vest with the gold trim and the gold corset. I did not catch any of that. I don't get that feeling from the writing. You, you I didn't get that, awesome. huh? Man, not until I started listening to the YouTubers and all. And keep in mind, why are you listening to the YouTubers? Don't listen to any of them turds. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I just, I didn't before I watched it. And then I heard one of them say, oh, they're lesbians. And I'm like, no, they're not. Not that I care one way or the other. I mean, other than I always assumed to, you know what? I don't like Masters of the Universe enough to, to, plot this out, but Kevin Smith should just keep his mouth shut and said, guys, watch part two of the series before you make any decisions, because every one of them that's out there hating on it See, that's, a, coward, that's a cowardly response. I don't think that's a cowardly response. Of course it is. And, and all this, all the negativity is doing is driving up the ratings on it. It's what not ratings? going to hurt it. Real, we, don't know, we don't know any real numbers. I'm pretty sure that anyone that's going to watch this show has already watched it. Yeah, but they'll come back and watch part two as well because they want to see, you know, oh, how bad he runs it or something along those. I didn't think it was a bad story. I didn't get the sensations from Tila that you're getting. I thought it was interesting take. I thought it had some nice moments. But I do understand why fans of He-Man would be upset. However, the story's not done yet. It doesn't matter if the story's not done. What they've presented so far is terrible. Are you going to watch the second part when it comes out? Yep, and I'll complain about that too, probably. So all that's going to do is they're going to tap Kevin Smith and say, hey, here, reboot Thundercats too. Whatever. Well, I mean, that's it. It's just, you know, all the negativity is just driving they up already the have it. They already have a different show coming out for Masters of the Universe. Yeah, what is, tell me, explain that to me. The He-Man and the Masters of the Universe are same kids, I think. And it's a different thing, continuity, like it's not even part of this show or anything. It's its own completely separate thing. And the best of my knowledge, it's a kid show. This is a riff. This takes up, this references the original He-Man, which was a kid show. Mm-hmm. But this is not Sandra, a kid show. Sandra, I kind of think you need to sit down and watch five episodes of this. Absolutely not. You don't have to. Why not? Thank you. Because I watched them for Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Once again, Albert and Sandra are the two most woke people on this show. <laughs> I'm I'm probably the most woke person in Alabama, to tell you the truth. Stan is completely oblivious to Tila's sexuality until the internet informs him otherwise. <laughs> like that haircut wasn't a dead giveaway. That's just a post-apocalyptic. That, looks- that is not a po- Stan, that is God, not a post-apocalyptic. Stan. Where do you even get this from? It's a practical haircut for what they're what, doing. What through. are you talking about? No, Stan. A like that tiara haircut, was a practical haircut in the post-apocalypse is to shave your head. That's a practical haircut. You're going to tell me that the tiara thing with her hair back and that ridiculous bun from her standard design, that that's more practical than what she's got going on here? It's not. What's, why do you care about practical in a cartoon show? It's cartoon. I was not the one that led to this line of discussion on it. I'm just saying that I, I did not get the vibe. Where do you even get post-apocalypse from? That's what I was wondering. I thought this was like something after He-Man. No, it it is. He Man is okay, Sandra. He okay, Man wait, and Skeletor. Wait, wait. You know what? You know what? I don't care. 
doesn't matter. I do matter. not care. I do not care. <laughs> it's post-apocalyptic because the uh, you see the different towns of Eternia, and there's dust everywhere, and people are fighting over the last bits of magic here and there, and it's a far worse situation than when magic inhabited in Eternia. But the magic got zapped away with He-Man's sword, He-Man, Prince Adam, and Skeletor. And it turns out that Skeletor put his essence into a piece of his staff and pops out at the last minute on the TV show and kills He-Man. But he doesn't kill He-Man. He just stabs him through the abdomen. And Tila is holding Prince Adam. Then it ends with Skeletor having the power, the sword, the power sword. I'm just not seeing all the negativity that everybody's putting into it. I I, I, I was fairly entertained. I, what is negative about her being lesbian? Nothing negative okay. about her being lesbian at all. What I'm saying about the sexuality is there was no sexuality in this whatsoever. It's a cartoon. And they're saying that, oh, she's, you know, they turned her into a lesbian. Well, first off, you don't know that she wasn't a lesbian in the original cartoon. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you saying that there's no sexuality in it because it's a cartoon? No, no. I'm saying this is a cartoon that's still taking into consideration that the majority of its audience is under the age of 15. Uh, and it's by Kevin Smith? Yeah, there's no, I mean, there's, somebody says hell in it once. Mm. And that's about the extent of it. It's, it's no worse than any of the animes out there that they're watching or anything else. Kevin Smith did not go full Kevin Smith on this. This references the original cartoon and the stylization and everything else, every other aspect of it. I mean, Orko's in it, for God's sake. He's Orko. Well, of course he's going to be in it. Was Orko in that? Re- was Orko in the Die Hard Cartoon Network reboot? I don't remember. Orko was put there to be yeah, to be the child's point of view. He largely was in this as well. This still comes across as a children's cartoon. There is this is not nothing. a children's cartoon. Yeah, okay, how is it not a children's cartoon? Because it's not aimed at kids. Well, I would say Kevin Smith. I mean, to me, Kevin Smith is not there's really... also cuss. There's also cussing in this cartoon. Somebody says hell. <laughs> That's the extent of the cussing. Nobody's let's go kick their asses or anything like that. Somebody says hell. That's completely forgivable. Not like this podcast. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a it's still aimed at kids. There's the majority of people watching it are kids and the majority of people complaining about it on YouTube are embarrassing, really. I don't care much about Matt He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, but this kept me engaged enough that I watched all five episodes. I'm up on the plot points and apparently I picked up on the fact that Tila is the sorcerer's daughter, which I don't know how you uh, yeah that was very they make that very obvious. Okay. I liked Evelyn in it. I it, it was just give or take. He wasn't he wasn't writing Shakespeare here. He wasn't writing an R-rated doctrine. I don't even know where anybody sees any sort of sexuality playing into any of this any more than it ever has in the Masters of the Universe cartoon other than He-Man himself is running around naked and but for a loincloth. Mm-hmm. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just stating a point of view. I, I want you to come back with your point of view because you're more attached you to point this. Of view. You're more attached to this mythology than I am. Are you sure, Stan? <laughs> Shit, I don't know anymore. <laughs> well, I'm going to turn around just a second and get rid of all the 15 shelves of Star Wars books and go out. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a Masters of the Universe. <laughs> Obviously. You're an apologist, at least. I'm not 
apologizing for it. I'm just. Well, you know I, what, I'm Stan? Really... If you give it another hour, we you would have talked more about the heroes of the universe than it actually takes to watch it. <laughs> Masters of the universe is the Watchmen of cartoons. <laughs> Kevin's Kevin Smith's <laughs> Masters of the Universe <laughs> is the equivalent of Alan Moore's Watchmen comic book. <laughs> I watched the Transformers, the rebooted Netflix Transformers. I like it too. And I haven't heard anybody complain about it. <laughs> this is your chance to chime in on that, Albert. <laughs> Please don't, no, Albert. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not. You. Have you seen it? No. No, I'm I, Albert. Have you seen the Transformers? No, I don't care for it. Have you seen any of it? No, I don't want to. Are you a Transformer fan? I'm a fan of the old Transformer stuff, not okay. necessarily if, the new stuff. If you like the old stuff, you'll like what they're doing on Netflix. It's really, really good stuff. Right. And I don't have to worry about anybody's haircut with the robots. <laughs> All the Transformers are gay anyway. I, I'm just, let's talk about comic books. <laughs> What's gay robots? I don't want to discuss the, they're, they're robots. I am of the mind <laughs> that uh, Frank Oz is on these situations. When some reporter asked Frank Oz, do you think it's safe now for Bert and Ernie on Sesame Street to come out as a gay couple? Frank Oz just looked at him and said, Bert and Ernie are not gay. They are not sexual creatures. They don't exist from the waist down. They're Muppets. And I kind of feel the same way about these things. I didn't see any sexuality or anything like that blatantly written into Masters of the Universe. I don't see it with the Muppets either. I mean, other than Miss Piggy, and Miss Piggy's just a whore. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you again for listening. We'll be back with you later this week. Sandra, Albert, tell them good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>